This podcast is hosted by RPP. If you are easily spooked, creeped, or offended, this might not be the podcast for you. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. This is awkward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of I Think My Fridge is Haunted. A very creepy podcast for very creepy people. Ooh, like you and me and everyone listening. I'm Gemma. And I'm Lana. The start's always like the most awkward, it's isn't super it? Awkward. <laughs> it? Yeah, yeah. That's why we always use the hashtag socially awkward. Because mm. um that's what we are. Yeah. How you been? Good. Good. Razzed by history, which is great. Yep. Um, most of my time has been spent just consuming information about right. something that is like always been a um, special interest for me, but it was like, right, I really want to do this justice. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my brain is full. Okay. <laughs> I want to kind of like shake it out of my ear a little bit. I like close down a few tabs. Oh, man. Yeah. That's how I often feel. Yeah. That <laughs> is what it feels like. I've got pop ups, I've got everything in my brain. And you know, when you're just like, I, I just, I got to get it out. That's kind of what I felt like this whole week. So I'm very mm. excited to be here and mm. to um, see you. And how are you? I'm really good. Yeah, yeah, just um, just living that life. Yeah, I, um, at the moment, I'm I'm trying to um, do my best with the new plant. I spent a crazy amount of money on a plant recently, <gasps> um, which <laughs> you mentioned. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> saw my, it. My Thai constellation monstera. Oh, it's so beautiful, and it's really big. I I wanted to buy. You know, like when okay. Planty people. Here we go. <laughs> I'm only talking to planty people right now. They're like, oh, I really want this rare plant. But, you know, I can only afford, like, a cutting. <laughs> and I, I, this time I was like, no, I'm buying an established plant. Yeah. So I bought a big Thai constellation. And so far, so good. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm just letting it acclimatize. It's been a couple of weeks. I've got my little moisture meter in the soil. Look at you go. Yeah, I've been testing out like, you know, where it likes to be, like in the light and that kind of thing. So I'm just I'm just waiting for it to pop out a new leaf. I'm hoping, hoping that'll be really, really soon. Mm. I think it's sensing spring in the air. Yeah, and then I'll uh, I want to repot it at some point because I don't like the soil that it's in. Mm. But then again, it doesn't seem sad. But I don't know. I always, you know, plenty of people are gonna be like, "What if we did this?" Yeah, I have like a wonderful. <laughs> you're just a mad scientist all the time when you're a planty person. It does feel like that, doesn't <laughs> it? These are my babies. Yeah, um, I have a friend that has like a huge amount of plants. She's got like beautiful like chain of hearts all over the ground. Oh, they're pros. hard. I, I find them difficult. Chain of hearts. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's half because one of my cats ate it though. And mm. then I had to like try to bring it back. You know what? I find them difficult as well. I think if you're not consistent with watering, this is getting so lame. But <laughs> <laughs> I listen to podcasts about plants. Oh, awesome. It's a whole so thing. Glad. Yeah. Um, shout yeah. out to uh, Potted Together. Oh, oh that's <laughs> so sweet. It's so funny though because they just talk about crap for 45 minutes. <laughs> And then they'll they'll spend like twenty minutes talking about plants. Hell yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. Ask planty people. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I 
especially with COVID as well. Like we're all just like, I want to surround myself in nature. And yeah, yeah. Clippings like we, you know, when we're allowed to go to each other's houses over the fence, like yeah. <laughs> so are you sweet. a planty person? I would say so. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've definitely downsized when I moved. Mm. I had a lot. Yeah. Um, as soon as it's it's a slippery slope with propagation. It's funny when you move house, you realise just how many plants you have because you have to do like three carloads. So <laughs> difficult. We had to leave them and come back for them and I yeah. felt like I was leaving my children behind. I was like, <laughs> please stay alive. <laughs> I'll be back in a week. I'm envisioning you like in a black and white movie looking looking behind you in the car. Yeah. Single tear <laughs> yeah. and rain on the window. It was very that. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. What's I, your favorite plant? Ooh. Like in your collection? Mm, that's a great question. I love uh, Swiss cheese, Swiss cheese plants. Oh, just like your monstera type, kind of. Yeah, I think it just took me like that was one of my goal plants, and I yeah. finally got it. Um, and it was <laughs> it was just cool to see it like bloom and look at it go. It was so nice, and awesome. we're lucky we can have like plants on a little shelf in the shower now. So mm. I'm like really feeling my poison ivy oats, like loving it. So I don't know. It's just nice, cool. It's really be- and to have a bit of greenery in the home, it's lovely. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, but I was eyeing off that that monstera you got. I was like, <gasps> look at it. The prices are really coming down now. Oh, good. Yep, get on marketplace because you, you can find yourself a buy. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. There's so much more variety here in Melbourne. I oh yeah, remember that. I gotta remember, like, there's so, like, there's just more people. With more, more people. Stuff. With more stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm. Oh my gosh, should we do facts from the freezer? Let's do it. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> like so I was reading um, <laughs> on a uh, website called the Law Place. It's a it's a Florida law firm, and we love Florida here. We must be busy, <laughs> and it's ridiculous laws in Florida. Oh, love it! Do you know it's illegal for a woman to fall asleep under a hairdryer at a hair salon? <laughs> Big trouble for you. Illegal. <laughs> yep. Get a good night's sleep the night before. It's also illegal to roll a barrel down the street in Pensacola. You'll okay. get a fine. Okay. <laughs> Won't do that. <laughs> the, the punishment for horse theft is still listed as death by hanging. <gasps> Which I would actually, it'd be kind of interesting to see that enforced because I'm going to guess that horse theft is still a thing. Surely. I mean, there's a lot of money in it. Like, absolutely. I don't know much about like Floridian horse theft theft and and uh like um what are they called stables it's <laughs> <laughs> like the word the word is there it's gone it's gone finally it is illegal to sing in a swimsuit <laughs> random oh oh one more unmarried women parachuting on sundays can be fined Okay. <laughs> okay, Florida. You just want to know what the like the origin of these laws are. Like, it's got to be a good just story. So stupid. I'm gonna guess there's some kind of opi- opioid involved. Mm, yeah, it's always the way. <laughs> Maybe a skull tincture. Yeah, skull tincture. <laughs> a fun little riot. Yeah. <laughs> they always cause it. My fact today, which isn't related to my story, I just thought it was funny. Uh, fresh water snails cause up to 20,000 deaths a year. What, human deaths or fish deaths? People, humans. How? Uh, millions of people contract infection. 
Oh. And the WHO estimates uh, that anywhere between 20,000 and 200,000 deaths a year. What? Yeah, I didn't. Just from your aquarium? Yeah, could be. Wow. I don't know. They're like little travellers. They're like rats of the plague. They huh. just travel around. I didn't get into the infections. I was like, it's going to be too complicated, I imagine. But like. Yep. Science. I, just, <laughs> um, I was just like, little snails? Little snails? Really? So innocent. Like, just to be terrified of another animal. Homicidal <laughs> snails. It's, um, it's that 20 million. Oh, 20 million dollars but thing that's like you can have a million dollars but there's a snail somewhere always mm. for the rest of your life following you and if it touches you you die do you take the money <laughs> the stupidest thing like it, it moves at the rate of a snail but it's always following you and it mm. always knows where you are yeah <laughs> i just i just don't like snails yeah i'm just like they're my ick factor <gasps> mm. yep 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 i'm i'm bad with spiders which is pretty like a given but i don't like them because they move like especially huntsmen move like claymation you, oh you know, yes yeah there's, there's frames missing i love that yes. this is why we're meant to be can we can i tell you a fun fact about my huntsmen's yeah. your huntsmen's uh, okay so we, <laughs> we have a lot of huntsmen's around our house because um. we've got you know the field next door that's filled with frogs and rabbits and birds of prey and huntsmen's of course probably snakes i don't know mm-hmm. Anyway, we get a lot of huntsmen's and um, they're collectively called Andrew um, because (laughs) (laughs) I found out that – I think I've talked about this before. um, I found out that if I respond to them with anger – it's um it's more empowering than responding to them in fear. So yeah. instead of just like screaming and running, I'll start an argument with them. <laughs> with Andrew. Like, we've talked about this, Andrew. Get off my car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get out of here. But that's not the fact. The fact is, and I don't know if other people um have seen this, but mm. I just think it's weird about my area, all of our huntsmen are gingers. <gasps> oh. It's weird. Is that maybe just like a local thing, yeah. Gingers, like me, ginger, or like- they're like strawberry blonde almost. <laughs> Why is that kind of cute though? <laughs> <laughs> How does that make them kind of cute? Um, I'll if I see one anytime mm-hmm. soon, which hopefully I don't. I'll, yeah. I'll try to take a photo of it. But yeah, I have noticed that they're all um, either I'm seeing the same ginger spider, Sandra, over and over again for two years, or. <laughs> Andrew used to live on my car on my, when I had my Honda and I sold the Honda. So now I'm hoping he's living over in Sunshine or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm letting him figure, figure out how to get a bus and how to get on the Frankston line. <laughs> he ain't coming back. <laughs> Unless he goes down to Queenscliff and gets the ferry. Yeah. Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> little bastards are possible. They can do anything. But, oh. yeah, I want to know from the Fridgies, like, are your local huntsmen a certain colour? Yeah. Because I always thought they were, like, a chocolate brown yep. to dark brown. Like dusty, a little dusty. Do you know, it's almost like Bigfoot. Like, sometimes people say they've seen blonde Bigfoot. Sometimes they're black. Sometimes they're brown. Sometimes they're grey. Yeah. Maybe there's a maybe there's something to do with that interdimensional connection. Huntsmen's <laughs> <laughs> are quite like such a an icon in Australia, aren't they? They don't Little they don't wankers. hurt you, but fuck, they're so they're annoying, so scary. They're scary because they move like claymation. Mm. One, they disappear really quickly, and they're just everywhere. 
They're everywhere. Like, They're out freaking of everywhere. Like, and they can make themselves real flat so they can get into little places. Yeah. Speaking of cars, it used to be in like the boot of my car. He'd lay down super flat and it wasn't until I was <sighs> leaning in that I'd be like, oh, hello. Hello again. <laughs> um, trying to get better with it. Trying to get better with spiders because I'm like, oh, I'm bigger. Respond with anger. I like that. Make mm. it a bit funny. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about Huntsman's. Don't like them. No, just don't like them. Yeah. Hey, creepy people. This is PNW Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. For each episode, we do a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on the topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous cases such as the misdeeds of Boeing, as well as lesser known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 as well as our spooky stories from Pike Place and Raven's Manor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Have, Have a, a creepy ass, ass day. Anyway, I'm not talking about spiders today, thankfully. Okay. This is a continuation of last week's story uh, going into the Prohibition Acts and uh, obviously the reason being the Soldier's Ride of 1916. Mm. If you have not listened, please go listen because uh, it has to do with my story this week, which is the infamous feud of Kate Lee and Tilly Devine. Oh, my God, yes. This has been such like... A, a special interest for, of mine for a long time mm-hmm. and I've done like I talk to people at like at parties or anything and I'm like there's with these two women and it was amazing they're like okay yeah <laughs> cool story dude cool and but I, then you meet that one person that's like finger guns <laughs> that is it <laughs> find the community that's like oh that's that is interesting and I'm like thank you <laughs> validation <laughs> um I'm gonna get into the like the sources and the reasons why I love it so much a little bit later, but I just wanted to give like a minor, uh, a, a wording warning about this story. Um, the word prostitute comes up a lot. I know we okay. don't use it as much anymore. Sex worker is preferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did try to change as much as I could, but uh, talking about legislation and acts, the word prostitute does come up a lot. So I just wanted to do a little bit of a pre-warning. Sure. Okay. I also want to just mention I'm not glamorizing these women. They are criminals, but they're really cool criminals. <laughs> yeah, one hell of a story. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing it. Okay. 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 If you visit Sydney's Inner East today, it is difficult to imagine that in the early 20th century, the now wealthy heritage-listed streets were once some of the most dangerous streets in Australia. It's it's wild, isn't it? Isn't it? it, it like, I've been to Sydney a handful of times and I've just learned more about, especially Tilly and Kate, every mm. time I go there because I'm, like, fascinated but it's so rich now. And yeah, it's, it's just completely gentrified. Absolutely it is. It's clean and delicious. But um, in the 1920s, it was not so much. Mm. Filled with sprawling slums and crawling with criminals, Darlinghurst, King's Cross, Paddington, Surrey Hills and Woolloomooloo once held stage to the Razor Gang Wars, mm. led by the two criminal queens, Kate Lee and Tilly Devine. This is a story how Darlinghurst, a now very expensive tourist spot and home to the rich and famous, was once part of Australia's dark history and unlovingly called Razorhurst. Wow. Very, very cool. 
So my sources today are uh, Shadow Matter on YouTube, Razorhurst.com, Dictionary of Sydney, Kate Lee, Tilly Devine and Razor War Wikipedia, Museum of History, New South Wales, Justice and Police Museum, and Razor, which was written by Larry Reiter. Mm-hmm. Now, is that um, the TV show Razor? So, or yes, the- Underbelly Razor is based on the feud of Kate Lee and Tilly Devine. Right. Uh, there are so many other people involved in this feud as well. If you have not watched it, please go watch Underbelly Razor. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It, it's very uh, 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 like glamorized. Um, right. I will show you photos of Kate and Tilly, and the <laughs> the TV show makes them look a lot different to what they were and you oh, know, yeah it's very glamour and yeah I think it's understandable it's a TV show um but it, even though they were known for their uh, like one of them was known for their looks and stuff you kind of go ooh, right what really did, what did everyone look like in that time yeah. it's um yeah but that underbelly standard yeah I really love underbelly because it does talk like the narrator talks about uh, what was happening in Australia at the time and re- refers to references and things like that, but you've still got the story going on as a TV show, which is really cool. Mm. Um, so this is going to be f- focused on Kate and Tilly rather than all the other players that were involved. It is it is literally a spiderweb of Criminals. characters yeah. and dirty deeds. Yeah, infamous, infamous yeah. people who you know, are still known to this day. This – actually, I'll get into that later. Okay. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. It's really exciting. (laughs) Okay. So the backstory of the laws is at the turn of the 20th century, well-intentioned laws were being put in place by the New South Wales government to help clean up the streets and eradicate crime. These had an unfortunate opposite effect. Both eager to pull themselves out of poverty and armed with opportunistic loopholes, Kate and Tilly were about to become two of the most notorious criminals in Australian history, not as a joined force, but with a decades-long feud to become the underbelly queen that ended with them closer to where they started. So, I'm going to start with Tilly Devine. During World War I, actually, I'm going to show you a photo of Tilly so you can uh, picture her. Oh, wow. She doesn't look like in the show, does she? No, that actress is beautiful. And and blonde. Blonde Um, and skinny and things like that. Tilly is – she's got brunette hair. She looks like she's got a low bun. Yeah, a little coat. Little – yeah, she's um, very modestly dressed. I mean, right down to – you know, a skirt right down to her ankles – um, even a scarf around her neck. Very, very like um, what you would expect from the... And she's little. It says five feet on her um, mugshot. Yeah, the Australian mugshots are different to uh, what we picture mug- mugshots now. You do get your front-on photo and your profile done, but you also get your height taken and in a full-view photo. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Mm, and then... There is a photo of her and her husband at the time. Oh, a little bit more glamorous there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much more done up. She's wearing her fur. She's got a nice little hat on. She's got her little spit curls around her face. Glamour. And her husband looks very dapper. Very dapper. Um, I will put all these up on the Instagram as well so you can see them as well. So... 
During World War I, Anzac soldiers, before and after being deployed, were stationed in Great Britain, visiting red light districts as they hadn't seen a woman for months. Mm. Anzacs also paid better than their English counterparts. Many soldiers found their wives overseas and then migrated to Australia to live with their servicemen husbands. Mm-hmm. One of these British wives was the infamous Tilly Devine, who would later become known as the Queen of the Bordellos. Right. Tilly was born Matilda Mary Twiss, the 8th of September 1900 in South London. Tilly grew up in poverty, surrounded by crime she grew acclimatised to. I feel like Tilly Twiss would have been a much better name. Like, Tilly Devine is cool, Mm. but... Matilda. Don't you know who I am? I'm Tilly Twist. Yeah. You can make it into a rap. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. She left school aged 12 and began factory work, but aspired to leave her life of poverty. She soon joined the red light district of West End who welcomed wealthier clients. Mm-hmm. Sources claim she was only 13 years old when she began her life as a sex worker. It's very, very young. Very, very young. At age 16, she soon married Australian soldier James Big Jim Devine. Big who, Jim. Who was in that photo, right. as you saw. Very nice suit. Very nice suit. He was, so her name is actually Devine. It's, it's actually, not just a stage name. Yeah, she just like locked out with a great last name. Tilly Devine, what a great... It's cool. It's very cool. Uh, the couple had one son, Frederick, who was born in London. Tilly and Jim's marriage was described as explosive and they were known to fight violently and often. Mm. Despite the turbulent relationship, Tilly followed Jim back to Australia in 1919, believing she would leave behind the slums of London for the land of opportunities in Australia. Mm. Unfortunately for Tilly... Sydney wasn't much better. Yeah, look, I'm I'm thinking when they got there, they were probably like, is this it? You know, it's – London has been built over a thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know, Sydney is like, as far as colonisation is concerned, how old was it? Just over, yeah, 120, 130 years, yeah. something like that. So I'm going to guess that, you know, it was probably quite a – simple existence to put it nicely heavy london influences so victorian townhouses just stacked on top of each other i'm thinking as far as like you know there probably there probably would have been houses that didn't have electricity indoor plumbing yeah um it would have been a very hard life absolutely and built around the shipping ports and let's not forget a fun little bout of plague oh yeah oh yeah that swept through the nation that happened yeah, for, for a young nation that was only getting its footing and to be hit so many times with uh, huge events like plague and all that, but also criminals and just trying to make worth, it was not a nice place. Yeah, you'd have to be ruthless. Absolutely. You had to be, oh, if you wanted to get somewhere. Mm. Uh, the couple rented a flat in Glenmore Paddington which was then a slum area that was poorly constructed homes and was overcrowded. Hmm. Surrounded by a violent underworld of drug peddlers, sly grog sellers, brothels and razor gangs that ran the city. Tilly was about to be right at home among some of Australia's most famous criminals. During one of her stints in prison, now sources are a little all over the place and I apologise if my timeline's not correct, but what from what I can see, I'm just going to say what I could find. Mm-hmm. So during one of her many stints in prison, merely five years after her arrival, Tilly Devine faced charges 
on prostitution and decided she needed to change in business opportunity. Despite being known as Pretty Tilly, looks don't last forever and she knew it. Both Kate and Tilly took advantage of the Vagrancy Offences Act, which made it illegal for men to own a brothel, act as a pimp or profit from the earnings of a prostitution. Made it legal. Illegal, sorry. Illegal, right. Made it illegal. So men couldn't own brothels, couldn't be a pimp, and they couldn't uh, earn from prostitution. Hmm. So if their wife was a prostitute, they couldn't. How convenient, the wording. Mm, Funny you mention that because this law did not specifically specifically extend to women. No. Women don't have jobs. Women can't do things. Women can't do anything. No, they can't. We won't even put them in the the law. Well, I read through the Vagrancy Act, which was one of the things I was like, I think I'm going to leave that out. It's quite dry. Um, And legal jargon. Sounds fun. Not fun. (laughs) Not actually. It's so hard to read as well because they're trying to cover so many things. Um, But like it was it was whomever and anyone, but all the wording used he and him. Yes. Too bad for them. Loophole. (laughs) Yes, that's it. So Tilly made the decision to become a madam, using her profit from her illicit empire to buy up property and turning them into brothels in Darlinghurst, Paddington and the Woolloomooloo areas, employing a large number of bodyguards to protect her properties and the women that worked in them. Was she allowed to own a property? That's a great question. I would like to know the answer to that because, I mean, would she, if she could, had to put the property under her husband's name, mm. it would be Jim's property but her business. So wouldn't that make him liable under that law? I think that's why the raids, they were able to raid so often. Because, because it like, was technically, okay, you've got the loophole but we're going to loophole you back. Yeah, it was back and forth. It's like your property it's but her business. within a loophole. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yes. And I think that's why I was like... I'll just do like maybe my basic understanding of it. Mm. Um, And if anyone knows the actual specifics, because I looked and looked and looked and I just, I think my little brain just couldn't quite get around it. Mm. Mm. And there's also multiple sources, like many, many different people saying different things. Um, We need an expert, don't we? We do need an expert. If any experts out there, that would be wonderful. But Uh, don't talk too much because it's our show. Yeah. (laughs) Guest, guest, <laughs> guesting. Um, Tilly was known not to discriminate age or background of anyone she would employ, including the sex workers. Having started at 13 herself, mm. uh, she did not discriminate. That was like the only good thing she did, I suppose. <laughs> it's still questionable. Yeah, very, very. Tilly was the face of the business. Her husband, Big Jim, would move alcohol and sell cocaine to the workers to ensure loyalty and dependence on their jobs to the divines and would often have workers accepting cocaine as payment. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. Literally human trafficking. Yep. Literally. (laughs) They're like, this is fun. Uh, and, uh, And you can't leave because how are you going to pay for your cocaine addiction? Exactly. Get them hooked, get them in. Yeah, uh, Underbelly Razor focuses hugely on that and it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> like That's just what they did. This led to Tilly's own string of brothels and sly grog shops becoming the most lucrative brothel network in Sydney had ever seen, providing a noted diversified operation with different brothels. I was going to say, she's, she's very good at diversifying. She she was smart. Fingers in pies. Absolutely. And coming from poverty and 
becoming a, a first class citizen basically on crime she she could see everyone mm. and she could see what they needed and with different brothels she provided uh for the sydney elite the working class and even sailors visiting mm-hmm. uh, the divine's business and wealth was legendary money fine clothes looted jewelry and diamonds luxury cars and first class treatment but Tilly used a mass of her wealth to bribe police and pay for fines that would see Tilly's career boasting 204 arrests and convictions uh, in consorting, soliciting, indecent language, bodily harm, setting fire to a police officer. Wow. And generally just cutting up anyone who crossed her. So when you say razor gangs mm. and when you say cutting up, mm-hmm. is that all because of everyone had a razor? Yeah. <laughs> There's another act later I'll touch on that made it hard for weapons to be used. But few people got the idea and I, I reckon Tilly coming from London, she might have seen some things because there's mentions of sailors using razors, like uh, shaving razors uh-huh. as weapons. Uh, and I reckon Tilly just carried one around with her. Right. Yep. Do you think it's because it's like such a household item? It's like, oh, it's just my razor. Well, like uh, if you're getting patted down by, by the police, like, and you've got a butcher's knife, it's not like, you, you can't really explain that away, but it's like, oh, I'm going to stay at my friend's house tonight or whatever. So this is my razor. Yeah, yeah, I'm just taking it with me. Well, it was easily concealable and easily accessible from any, any barbershop. Mm, true. They were selling them. Mm. They could make money. They were like, yeah, you can have it. Mm. Yeah, and they didn't have no safety razors. I mean, they had. They were sharp and brutal. Yeah. And and quick. Mm, That was mm. the thing. You could attack fast. And run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I suppose they didn't really have licensing for guns at the time. You couldn't trace a gun back, but anyone could have a razor. There was no way to trace it back to you. Right. Easy. Yeah. When the Divines moved to the upper-class suburb of Maroubra in the mid-1920s, they often held large parties uh, that gained a lot of attention, especially from the watchful eyes of Kate Lee, keeping an eye on her newest competitor. Mm, Those parties would have been a sight to see. Well, they're probably more of what we're thinking uh, about the 1920s. Jazz and gin and dancing and pearls. Yeah, that's it. Going to Feathers and... Loud, loud. Maruba Noisy. Was, yeah, Maruba was known for like more upper class, obviously, and they were like conservative types. They right. didn't like these parties happening. Ah, okay. Dobbin in a lot. Uh, but with the bribes and everything, they got away with it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because so, they, were, they were pushing a lot of, you know, uh, money through Sydney. Had a few cops in their pocket. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, they did. So, who is Kate Lee? Kate Lee, once dubbed by the media the worst woman in Sydney, found her fame during the 1920s. Kate Lee was born in Dubbo, New South Wales, on the 10th of March, 1881, to a Roman Catholic family of eight children. Kate had a neglectful childhood and spent uh, a lot of her younger years in a girl's home, giving birth to her own daughter, Eileen May, in 1900 out of wedlock. Hmm. So she's a little older. She is. And she's lived here the whole time. Right. She's an Australian. She she knows New South Wales. Do you have a photo of her? Yes, I do. Thank you. 
Okay. So she she looks kind of working class, doesn't she? She does. She's got long hair. It's kind of put into like a braided sort of situation at the back of her head. She's got like a slight Marcel wave at the side. She's, she looks like she's slept in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine homes in this time probably were similar to a bin. Uh, so that's her in her arc when she was a bit older. She's very well dressed. She there, is. I like that little outfit. She this is She's a great got the little tea bar. Oh my god, what a jolly lady! She was known for the hat. She loved a big hat. Loved a big hat. Loved it. She's got a big. She's she's got a tooth situation. Yeah, maybe she's been punched in them. Oh yeah, it's possible. Um, she's got a big fur on. She's got a massive fur, big hat. She's holding a big camera, and she looks like she's having a mighty fine time. Big smile. Mm. Loved her. Kate eventually married her then partner, Chinese Australian James Ernest Jack Lee, in 1902 who was an illegal bookmaker and petty criminal. So if uh, Tilly's got Big Jim, is this other Jim, little Jim, second Big Jim? I would say this is like... Not Jim. First Jim. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kate had a a few relationships, we'll okay. say. James Lee was imprisoned for assault and robbery in 1905. Their marriage broke up soon after the trial. Okay. He was going to prison and she was like... Mm. Was he the father of Eileen, her daughter? I believe so, yes. Okay. So after the the marriage broke up after the trial, Kate was still always known by the same anglicised last name, despite being married twice after her marriage to James. That's ah. where the name Kate Lee comes right. from. Yeah. So she kept the name. It's it's a pretty cool name. It's nice. I think she started being known by it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite powerful for a woman to be like, this is my name. I don't take anyone else's name. Mm-hmm. Cool. As far as cool goes. <laughs> During the 1910s, Kate had a relationship with Samuel Joey Freeman, who was allegedly the first criminal in Australia to use a getaway car. Sammy Joe. Sammy. Going a whole probably <laughs> 10 kilometres an hour. Like, was, he, was he that guy that stole the car from the lady in the riot yep. and then crashed it into the post box? That was him. It was him. He knew. He's I like, know you. I know what this can be used for. Yeah, maybe next time he did it, um, he was successful and actually drove it on the road. Maybe <laughs> not so drunk. Yeah, yeah, that was it. He's Gaining like, him this reputation. Absolutely. First first criminal in Australia. That's pretty cool, like, to use a getaway car. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. <laughs> uh, it was during this relationship that opened Kate to the wider criminal underworld. In 1915, Kate received her first prison sentence for perjury. At this time, Kate only had minor offences. Allegedly, she lied under oath to protect Joey. Uh, She wasn't released until 1919. Quite a long time. She went in in 1915 and came out in 1919. And by then, Sydney had undergone a huge social change. So if you remember, this is when the Soldiers' Riot of 1916 happened. So not long after that, the Temporary Licensing Act came in. So Act Number 2584, an act to restrict the sales and consumption of intoxicating liquor during the present war in 1915 was amended in 1916 because of our boys getting rowdy uh, to restrict the sales from, uh, I said it last time, it was 9 a.m. 9 a.m. till 
till 9.30 at night. Yeah. It was amended after the riots from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Would, um, I don't expect you to know the answer to this question, Mm. would Kate and Tilly been able to, like, read? Like, would they have been able to, like, read the paper in prison and, and keep up with what's going on? What I could understand is that they were quite, like, I don't, I don't know, well-educated, but they were educated enough that they were smart. Okay. They could keep up with what's going on. Kate's come out of prison and gone, wait, what happened? Wait, what's going on? We have to do what now? So she wouldn't have been keeping up with all the news while she was in prison? I don't, I don't reckon or so, unless, like... They were being told. They might have. Yeah. In any case, she comes out of prison and everything's changed. Yeah. Sydney has changed. Her mm-hmm. Sydney that mm. she's well versed with. She went in a criminal. She's come out and gone, I can take advantage of this. Kate became a notorious criminal by taking advantage of the Wartime Alcohol Prohibition and Dangerous Drugs Act brought in to control the distribution and sales of illicit drugs in 1927. Kate created her empire on sly grog shops, brothels, illegal gambling, drug dealing, and stolen property. Which means we've got a conflict of interest. We sure do. There's already someone doing a bit of similar stuff going on. Literally like, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon Kate was probably more prominent in the sly grog and Tilly in brothels. Right. Okay. Both did both of them because, like... Yeah. It was just they all go hand in hand. Diversifying. Absolutely. Mm. Offer everything so you're the best. Mm -hmm. Kate profited from the high demand of the loved illegal vices. Uh, She created a lucrative distribution network sourcing cocaine from corrupt doctors, dentists and chemists. Ah, yes. Yeah, pay them out like... You know, the the Illicit Drugs Act came in. You couldn't openly get opioids and cocaine and things like that. But there were still doctors and, you know, dentists and stuff wanting to make that money. Right. Because they couldn't just sell it over the counter. So why not give it to a uh, well-loved, well-known criminal that's going to make you money? Yeah, making a little bit of extra cash. Yeah. Kate was, was so widely loved by customers from all levels of society. Her establishment... Her establishments were commonly known as mums, with the password being mummy. Oh, like, oh, I'm, I'll be back in a minute, just going around to mums. Yep. Right. Gave criminals a way to talk about where they were going or what's going on. Or, oh, mum's got a new place around the corner. Like, right. Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very clever. Sounds like there, there was a lot of sort of... God bless you, Miss Lee. Yeah, yeah. A lot of patronage. Yes. Huge amount. And she was known for being generous to um, her workers, her suppliers. She was, you know, you saw the photo. She's smiling. She looks like. She's jolly. Yes, jolly woman. She seems a bit nicer than Tilly. Tilly just seems like. She'd call you a scrag. Yeah. She'd call you a mole. She'd call you a mole She'd and a scrag. Them, absolutely. And then cut your face up. Yeah. And, you're like, oh. and then pull your hair and... Yeah. She she was zero to 100 till he was. Yeah. While Kate was a bit more, oh, I'll bring Kill you in. Kill them with kindness. Absolutely. There's a really cool part of Underbelly Razor where uh, Kate goes to s- kind of scalp some of the... Not actually scalp, but like go... <laughs> scalp <laughs> like tickets. Um, poach... Uh, Tilly's uh, sex workers. Right. And she's like, wouldn't you like to be more comfortable? What is she offering you? Like, sly. Mm-hmm. She was clever. And um, it just made you feel like you were the best. 
and you right. could be the best with her. Yeah. That's what I like about her. Mm-hmm. At her height, Kate owned more than 20 bootleg venues, despite some reports claiming Lee never drunk or smoked herself. Really? Very smart. Hmm. Hmm. That is some reports. Like, I don't know how you could be in this kind of work and not do it yourself unless she was very smart and just went, no, no, I don't touch that. Some people don't. Yeah. yeah. I've met bartenders that don't drink. Yeah, that's right. And she just said, look, I just like buying hats. Yeah. (laughs) I just want my jewels. Yeah. <laughs> Kate ran a tight ship and kept some of the venues at a higher standard to attract businessmen, politicians, and some sources claim even police officers were known to visit. Right. Mm-hmm. This is where the corruption comes in. Mm. Easy blackmail. Easy. Kate Lee developed a loyal following using thieves and crooks to do her bidding and was known to sling a rifle herself. She soon became one of the wealthiest women in Sydney, fondly flaunting her success with luxurious furs and jewels and came to be known as the Queen of Surrey Hills or Queen of the Underworld. So this all led to what is known as the Razor Wars. By 1927, the Underworld was run by gangs led by cunning, ambitious and ruthless leaders. Kate Lee and Tilly Devine, of course, but also Phil the Jew Jeffs, I've heard of him. Yeah, he owned a lot of Sydney's nightclubs. Okay. And seemed to be a provider for a lot of sly grog and things like that. Mm -hmm. Clever. Uh, Norman Brun, who is heavily featured in Underbelly Razor, he was a violent criminal and attributed to uh, being a leader of Australia's first Razor gang. There was many, many more criminals involved. Uh, they were all unchallenged at Razor, as Razorhurst's major crime bosses. There was a time of peace and understanding between Kate Tilly and the gangs of Sydney. Neither one encroached on either's territory, so the exact reason for the feud beginning is unknown. Oh, really? There is lots of speculation. Um, again, the TV show... Uh, highlights an interaction between Kate and Tilly about Pomeranians. Right. Kate loans Tilly a purebred Pomeranian to breed so she can have them and Tilly gives her back her um, her British not purebred Pomeranian. Right. And puts like talcum powder on it to make it look good and everything. Kate gets it home and she's like, fuck. <laughs> and when I watched the show, I was like, surely not. It can't just be that. But there is some... Um, could be. Claims that it was some as simple as that. Don't mess with a woman's Pomeranian. Don't mess with like these badass women mm. and their stuff. My sister's got a Pomeranian, and let me tell you, she knows kung fu. <laughs> Protect the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty cute. I understand. <laughs> uh, so, the with the feud being uh, beginnings unknown, um, it was clear that both women wanted to be the title. Or hold the title of Queen of Sydney's Underworld. Mm. Who will win? Who will win? Well, it resulted in a violent back and forth of destroying each other's properties, attacking grog and drug suppliers, uh, bloody attacks on loyal followers, and even attacking each other physically on site. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of um, the feud between... Um Patty Moriarty and and the pie woman, mm. yeah, you know how he threw a he threw a kangaroo corpse over a fence and then she threw it back and yeah I haven't covered I, I, oddly enough haven't covered that case yet oh cool um but yeah the disappearance of Patty Moriarty is a 
ridiculously complicated mystery with no outcome. Ah, oh, see, that's the thing, isn't it? You want the satisfaction of the end. No, no one to this day, no one knows who did it, or where he went, or where his dog went. Ah, not the dog. Mm. Don't involve the dogs. Mm. Uh, their courthouse appearances became public entertainment and news outlets love to pu- publish stories about their public outbursts. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet they tried to outglam each other too. Absolutely. Outfur each other. Outfur, bigger cars, more jewels. More security. Yeah, bigger, beautiful men. Like, mm. yeah, absolutely they did. And they loved it. They loved the publicity and, like, they would send letters to the editors and, you know, <laughs> publicly say statements about each other so that they could quote things. They loved it. <laughs> they loved the notoriety um, and especially two women from poverty. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was then in 1927 the Pistol Licensing Act was passed and dealt an automatic prison term to anyone with an unlicensed firearm. Due to the easy concealment and easy access from barber shops, the cutthroat razor became the weapon of choice among gangsters in Sydney. I became obsessed with Kate and Tilly when um, I watched Underbelly Razor, but I also visited the Police and Justice Museum in the Sydney CBD. So you told me about this, didn't mm-hmm. you? This is the, the mugshots. Yes. So uh, please, 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 if you are in Sydney or near Sydney, please go to the Justice and Police Museum. It is so cool. It's in the Circle uh, Quay and you walk, you walk down a little bit of the street, you can see the Sydney Harbour Bridge, turn around the corner, the harbour, the house, the house, you know, the house. Uh, the, the Opera House. The Opera House. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's right there. It's right in the centre. And you go through this whole museum and you walk outside and you're in where all this crime was. Cool. There is an exhibition, a permanent exhibition there um, that is uh, actual mugshots from the 1920s Australia. There's a whole story about it that this um, shipping container went missing and then it turned up in the 90s and it's just amazing. They mm-hmm. have Kate Lee's uh, inf- information about her um, and I don't know if it's real but they do have razors in her section. Uh, unfortunately, Tilly doesn't have a section. Really? Mm-hmm. Escandalo. Escandalo. But it's the actual uh, original water police courtroom. You can go through it. You go through the cells and it's just such a cool place of Australian history. There's weapons, um, talking about the razors. There's like pistols with, you know, like um, wrist wrist guns that would shoot out. Yeah, like, like the, with the round barrels. Yeah. You know, um, like Tommy guns. Tommy guns, <laughs> swords hidden in canes, like – so cool amazing so you can go through all that so please if you ever there go see it um and tell me about it because it's really cool (laughs) one of the reasons for the famous feud was when frank green one of tilly's men and gregory gaffney of kate's men fought over the beautiful sex worker nelly cameron she is also featured in underbelly razor Mm -hmm. with gaffney eventually shooting green in the stomach frank fled bad way to go bad way well, he managed to flee to the Divine's home and hide. When Kate's men invaded the home to finish the job, Big Jim Divine shot Gaffney, wounding others, uh, including Walter Wally Tomlinson, who was Kate's longtime partner uh, at the time and originally employed as a bodyguard for her. Uh-huh. 
this showdown made things personal. Yeah, that's messy. Mm-hmm. The streets of East Sydney became a bloodbath for two long years. <laughs> the ambush of two of Tilly's standover men, Sydney McDonald and Frank Green, triggered the beginning of the end. McDonald and Green were ambushed by Kate's men, narrowly escaping to hide at the Divine's residence. They expected another ambush. Big Jim armed them with pistols and waited. When Kate's men did show up, Jim shot him. And before Kate's men died, sorry, man died of his wounds, he refused to testify in court against Jim and he was not charged. A code of silence all crim- criminals agreed on and followed. This happened a lot. Mm-hmm. This happened a lot. Criminals would not give each other up. They could hate each other's guts. They could try to kill each other. And they would never talk about it in front of police. Never rat them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so they didn't get each other. Like, you know, didn't rat each other out. Because as soon as someone talks, everyone goes under. Yeah. It's like accepting that you're, you, you're a cog in the wheel of this big machine. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to be a criminal, you'd be a criminal. Yeah, you're all in. You weirdly follow the rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being a criminal. In an ir- ironic sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. Code of conduct. Dilly responded, ordering her men to attack Kate's grog shops while Kate was incarcerated at the time. Ah, oh, she went back in. Yeah, there was many times they were in, they were out. And the operations just ran. They were self-sufficient. Yeah. Loyalty. Yeah, they just knew everyone had a job. Yeah. They knew how to run it. Yeah, because everyone profited. And I guess they, if they really wanted to talk to her, she probably wasn't that far away. Like, you could probably visit her. Yeah, absolutely. Or They'd send someone to visit her, like. Yeah, get a meeting. And she, Kate, probably Kate would be more inclined to talk to you than Tilly. Um, but, you know, she wants her operation to work well. Yeah. So this all led to the... Cali- and they probably bribed the people at like at the, oh, the, yeah. the prisons too. Oh, absolutely they would have. Mm. It's being so well known. Absolutely. This all led to the Kellett Street Brawl. On the night of the 8th of August, 1929, fueled with the bootleg booze and cocaine, members of Tilly's gang armed with guns and razors converged on one of Lee's stamping grounds, Kellett Street, near King's Cross. Mm-hmm. Tilly's men coaxed the establishment by hurling insults and threats and they were met by an angry band of men ready to defend their territory. It's all a little bit West Side Story. Very, very. Mm. Uh, Less singing. And less clicking. (laughs) Less clicking. (sighs) By 10pm, a battle between the drunk and seething gangsters now spitting and snarling at each other like alley cats was inevitable. The 40-odd mobsters of the Lee and Divine crews tore into each other with razors, guns, fists, boots, bottles and rocks. Ew. Yeah. More than a and dozen. swords in. <laughs> swords and canes. Canes. <laughs> Tiny little pistols. He's, my hat is actually a grenade. <laughs> yeah. Razors on it. <laughs> That's how the Peaky Blinders happen. <laughs> uh, more than a dozen from both factions were badly wounded, but no one identified their assailants to the police. The riot is known to be... I didn't see a thing. <laughs> I didn't see nothing, copper. I didn't see nothing. Um, actually, well... Well, I catch my breath. Uh, at Kellett Street, there is a sign on the ground that actually identifies this riot. Oh, so it says August 
1929, Kellett Street Riot, Sly Grog Traders, Kate Lee versus Tilly Devine, rival gangs in violent stoosh. Razors, guns, bottles, stones. Wounded do not identify attackers to police. Yeah, wow. And it's like it's like bronze wording on the pavement. Yeah, to mark where it happened. Interesting. I really like those um like historic plaques like that when they're like this yeah. happened here. Yeah. Cool. Very, very cool. The riot is known to be a catalyst to the amendment to the Vagrancy Act, which granted police more power to arrest any person of any gender profiting from loopholes in these acts. (laughs) So they've added any gender. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, anyone. God damn it. Uh, it contained the criminal consorting clause, which prevented known criminals from associating with one another and led to diminished gang violence. At the time, the Crimes Amendment Act of 1930 was also passed, leading to a six-month imprisonment term for anyone found possessing cutthroat razors without a good reason. A lot came out of this feud, like a lot of amendments to to um, laws that were not as tight as they wanted them to be. Yeah, so police were actually, well, the ones that weren't taking bribes were actually like, let's crack down on this. Yeah. (laughs) Is this the way we have to do it? All right, all right. Yes. And I guess the, um, what are the the temperance ladies probably, you know, were watching in interest. Mm, Since the the soldiers riot, they were like, I can't wait to see how this turns out. Like. They got what they wanted, but it did not have the results they wanted at all. Made um, Sydney even more dangerous, I yeah. would say. Yeah, and immoral. Immoral, definitely. While Kate and Tilly still feuded for many more years, it wasn't until 1936 when Police Commissioner William McKay insisted they cease fire or he would grant the police even more power to take down their empires. The women agreed and were allowed to continue their operations with little police interference. Being this was during the Depression era and loving their luxurious lives of fine dress and fancy cars all too much, it's easy to see why Kate and Tilly agreed. And they're getting older. Exactly. Sometimes you just want to have a quiet life. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to have to be worrying if someone's going to come and slash your face. Exactly. And that was it. Like, they were just coming out of nowhere. You never know when it was going to happen. Like, you just want to sit on your jewels and enjoy it. Yeah. The Second World War saw the Queen's empires explode once more with American soldiers being stationed in Australia. They would frequent the brothels owned by the women during the Second World War. Boom. Yeah, they had a they had a comeback. Second wind. Uh, bringing out their more charitable side, Kate and Tilly would often throw parties, not together, but they would throw parties at their own expense and donated to families of the Australian soldiers. I think it was more Kate than Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool that they donated to the families. Kate has definitely come out as like the nicer, Mm -hmm. having the nicer reputation, whether it's true or not. Yes. But she definitely has, yeah, seems like the nicer one, more reasonable. Absolutely. One over the people. And Mm. that's what she needed to do to continue. Mm. While Tilly was just like, her ego was a bit fragile, I reckon. Mm. Uh, This was the beginning uh, of the decline of the two criminal idols. How did it end? These two women. 
They lived actually a lot longer than I expected as well. Okay. So Kate Lee had declared bankruptcy in 1954. Really? Yeah, due to failing to pay taxes for decades to the Australian government. Yeah, that's how they got her. Yeah, that's how they got, like, the tax man. Yep. (laughs) Tax man got him. Mm -hmm. Lee was famously quoted in the Australian media as stating, the bloom has gone off the grog. Okay. Which, like, yeah, I suppose so. Especially by the 50s. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. At the time of her death, Kate was living in poverty in a small one-bedroom room above her old illegal hotel in Surrey Hills. Wow. Yeah, she died on the 4th of February 1964 at St. Vincent's Hospital, having suffered a severe stroke earlier in January. (laughs) Kate's funeral was attended by over 700 mourners. With the press ignoring her underworld crimes, she was remembered for being a wartime patriot and for her generous nature. She's a woman of the community. Yeah, she did, you know, doesn't matter how she got it. She did it for the community. She's basically a saint. Oh, like, (laughs) of the time, yeah. (laughs) Tilly, however, she eventually divorced her husband, Jim Devine, after 25 years of violence and abuse. But in 1955... So just one year after Kate had gotten uh, got got by the tax man, mm. Tilly was ordered to pay twenty thousand pounds of unpaid tax, forcing her to sell all but one of her brothels uh, to make the payment. Tilly lost everything in nineteen sixty eight, with her left with one establishment when it was firebombed by new criminal figures looking to take over the prostitution industry in East Sydney. It's very much kind of out with the old and with the new, isn't it? New blood came in. Mm. And I think that's why they decided to quiet down. Mm. They were like, oh, I've got all my money. And then tax man came along. Yeah. Got all my money and I'm tired. Yeah, I'm getting old. Well, Tilly died in 1980. From really? 1980. She lived till 70. Uh, she died from cancer after she'd been suffering with bronchitis for 20 years. She would have been older than 70, though, because if they oh, were... she would have been 80. Yeah. Yeah, beg your pardon. That's what I mean. I need to... That's why it took so long to check everything. Yeah, she would have been 80. Beg mm. your pardon. Mm. Thank you for that. Tilly was given a harsh obituary in the press... Her funeral service was attended by very few, but her son and two grandchildren was given no wake and the only public eulogy offered to Tilly was given by the then police commissioner, Norman Allen, who said she was a villain, but who am I to judge her? (laughs) Wow, very different. (laughs) Very different. By the time of her death, all that knew her were either dead or didn't care. Mm. No one bothering to even lift a glass to the remaining criminal queen <laughs> now that photo you saw before uh of kate and tilly actually together there's one on oh that was them together that was them they actually look like they're having quite a good time i would like to think that eventually like, they look like they're laughing and they're yeah. having a bit of a joke there's a few famous photos of them like holding each other or laughing or smoking well tilly's smoking smoking together uh, in their older age, and I would like to think after all the expensive clothes and jewellery was gone, they only had their ch- each other to appreciate. Mm. 
And that is the famous feud of Kate Lee and Tilly Devine. Wow. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so apologies for like stumbling my way through the end of that. Oh my gosh. That's a, yeah, that's a long story to, to research as well. Yeah, there was a lot more, obviously. Um, but that's the, the ins and outs of yep. it, I reckon, mm. and most prominent moments. But there's so many stories about them and during their fame and all the things they did. And um, it, I just – I think I find it fascinating that two women ran the criminal underworld for so long. Mm. We don't really um, think about it that way. Yeah, I and reckon. they did it really well. Um, wasn't um, Tilly, like, obsessed with the Queen or something? Something like that. She was very patriotic to her British heritage and, you know, causing a lot of slurs her way of, Pom, go back to where you came from, Pom. Right. A lot of that. And I think that's why she wasn't as well off. <laughs> yeah, because she's kind of like an outsider. Absolutely. Like she came over at the beginning of the 1920s and was, you know, a little bit older in age and became well known by the police by then. You know, 204 arrests is pretty impressive. <laughs> mm. Hang on, wasn't that Kate? Mm-mm. No, T- Tilly got arrested. Oh, okay. Yeah. 204 well, times. I, I, yeah, 204 times. I couldn't find uh, Kate's. Oh, right. Personally, uh, I'm sure someone out there knows. But, yeah, I, I think the focus was people didn't like Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot more against Tilly. I uh, guess they're both buried in Sydney. Yes, um, I did have that. I, I don't have it here, but they are buried in Sydney. I don't know if Tilly got sent back to uh, London, but I'm pretty sure just she just got put in a common grave in Sydney because no one cared enough. Interesting. And could afford to send her back home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um, Very interesting. Right. Well, thank you so much. I hope uh, all you Fridges enjoyed that as well. (laughs) Yes, thank you for coming on that journey with me. I'm Um, loving our new history spin. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Especially Australian history is so interesting. Well, as always, everyone, um, join us on uh, Instagram. I think my fridge is haunted. Give us a follow. Send us a comment. A nice one. (laughs) And (laughs) maybe even leave us a review as well. If you've got any spooky stories that you want us to share, uh, you can email us at hauntedfridges at gmail.com. Absolutely. Haunted stories, funny stories. Yeah. Any kind of stories. If you like the history uh, stories we're doing. Is let there, us know. Yeah, let us know. Is there someone that you're like, I'm really interested in this character? What yes. do you know? Yeah. Because like, the more suggestions, the better. Tell us what you think about the history sections and um, yeah. Until next time then. Until next time. Be creepy. But don't be a creep. Bye. <laughs>